I'm Will Baker, president of the Chesapeake Bay Foundation. Welcome to our continuing podcast series, Turning the Tide, Saving the Chesapeake Bay. That's our goal after all, isn't it? So I'm just delighted to be here today with CBF's relatively new VP for Education, Tom Ackerman. Tom's had a lifelong uh, history of working in education. In fact, I, I believe, Tom, your father was an educator, so you come Correct. from a family of educators. Yeah, that's true. And uh, you you uh, have been at CBF for 11 years and have been uh, the VP for education. You started about the uh, start of the year. That's true. And it's, uh, well, it's, it's an honor to take on the lead of the education program, which I've been a part of, uh, as you said, for 11 years. Uh, I think it's a, such a powerful program. We've got such a great staff. Uh, and it's really a, a unique program because of how we're able to uh, do the things that we do, uh, but also work in a larger organization that has so many resources around science, around policy, around communications. Uh, we can bring things to teachers and to students that uh, no one else can do the way that we do it. You, you might get me to talk about how I got started at CBF, but let's go to you first. Uh, there's a story behind it. And how, how did you first learn about CBF? What was your first connection? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I started with CBF as a high school student. Um, I, was, uh, I went out to Smith Island, uh, and that really was a, a life-changing experience for me. Uh, I, I'd been the kind of kid that spent time in nature, but that really put all the, all the pieces together for me, how, how we're all connected. Uh, that led me to uh, get a degree in environmental science, uh, and, and I thought about how I could really make a difference, and that was in teaching. Uh, when I became a teacher, I started working with the Bay Foundation. I took my students out. I did restoration projects uh, and eventually got an opportunity to, uh, to come here and work for the Bay Foundation. you got to love it. You know, life-changing experiences. I think we'll probably touch on that theme a couple of times uh, as we talk. So, so I'll talk a little bit about my early days. Um, I started at the Chesapeake Bay Foundation as an intern right out of college. And one of the first things I did was to go on a teacher training trip. And these were a number of teachers from Baltimore City. Some of them had never been on the water before. And many of them said that that trip was life-changing for them. And one of them began to dedicate her life to environmental education, even worked in the summers at a state park, and joined the board of the Chesapeake Bay Foundation and over the years has been one of our uh, most um, dynamic uh, board members. When she talks about what her students gain coming from inner city Baltimore City schools, it, it's really extraordinary. And the ability of you and your team to get to these kids, not only teach them about the Bay, but also help them develop uh, academics, help them develop an interest in their surroundings, and on and on. So uh, uh, my, my hat's off to what you and your team do. And what I really want to get you talking a little bit about is how the heck do you do it? <laughs> sure. The, the process of education at the Chesapeake Bay Foundation is really about getting our participants, whether they be students or teachers, in touch with the resource. We have to get them outside to understand what this is all about. And for, as you mentioned, for a lot of our, our participants, this is the first time that they're getting out 
on the water, whether that be on one of our uh, canoe trips, on one of our Chesapeake Bay workboats, on our skipjack, uh, out on our Claggett Farm program, or at one of our green centers here in Annapolis or down in Virginia Beach. Uh, when students get out on our programs, they have an opportunity to use state-of-the-art scientific equipment. Uh, they use waterman's tools. They use their own five senses, really, to, to get a sense for whether the environment is healthy, what's happening with it, and then we teach them about the issues and a little bit about what they can do to make a difference. Uh, and these, event, these events really are, these experiences really are eye-opening for the students, they're eye-opening for teachers, uh, and, and we use that term life-changing, but that's really the words of our participants coming back to us. Uh, and it's, it's, it's an amazing experience for them in many cases, and they're able to extend that, bring that learning back home, bring that excitement back home uh, and back into the classroom. You're, you're just about to finish up the work with the students for the spring, and we're getting ready to start summer. Summer is a time for teacher training, teacher training institute, and, and even principals of schools, I understand. Tell us a little bit about what this summer will hold. Yeah, the core of our program is working with over 30,000 students a year across the entire watershed, but almost equally as important is the work that we do over the summer with teachers and principals. Uh, we'll work with four to 500 teachers and principals in courses, summer institutes, uh, that are actually uh, qualify for graduate credit. Uh, and these experiences, teachers and principals have told us are some of the most valuable professional development that, they, uh, that they've gotten in their careers on any topic. Uh, they learn how to uh, use the environment, the local environment, use their river, use the bay to, to teach about all sorts of, of lessons and really get students uh, not only to learn about the bay uh, and the important environmental message, but also to achieve a lot of their academic goals uh, that they have around science, social studies, even language arts and math. Am I right? Do I remember this correctly? 30 one-week teacher training experiences, each for 15 or 20 teachers. So they're out there for five or six days? Yeah, that's correct. Five or six day courses. Uh, we're running them all across the watershed, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Virginia, uh, DC. We're coordinating with our school system partners to make sure that, uh, that we're training teachers in, in relevant content. Uh, and then we're, we're teaching them how to connect back with their local communities and their local providers to, uh, to help bring these experiences to their students. And the importance of this, as I understand it, is while the students are with us on a field trip, whether it's a one-day, two-day, three-day field trip, we're really the instructors, but the teachers are with us. But what we hope is that the teachers put the field trip into a continuum of learning, as I understand it. So they're working with the students before the field trip and after, and that's why this teacher training is so important. Right, that, that one-day field experience or three-day field experience is a touchstone for those, those students, and, and, and that's where the magic really happens. But our partnerships with teachers allow us to extend that back into the classroom and back into their local community where we're hoping students will investigate local issues uh, and take action to help protect the Chesapeake Bay. You, you touched briefly on the various centers we have, from Pennsylvania to Virginia, D.C., one-day programs, three-day programs. Give us a sense of some of the uh, most uh, unique of these centers, because they are really some extraordinary places. Tell us a little bit about the places where we're teaching kids. 
Well, again, like I said, it's really about getting students out into the environment, and we have some very unique platforms for doing that. We have a 112-year-old skipjack that sails out of Annapolis, where students really get into the history uh, of the bay along with the science. Uh, we have a, an organic farm that students work on, uh, learning about agriculture and the environment, but also helping us raise vegetables that eventually go to a CSA uh, that supports a food bank in Washington. CSA? Uh, a community-supported agriculture program. Right. Uh, we also have uh, the Merrill Center in Annapolis, which was the first platinum lead building. Students explore that. We even have architecture students come in and explore that. And we have a new uh, living building in Virginia Beach, which is our, our, our latest and greatest platform for education, which is a, a, another exciting opportunity. What about Smith and Tangier and Fox Islands? What, to, to give us a, draw a picture a little bit of what it's like to get a kid, a student out onto a Fox Island. Uh, in many ways, the island centers are really the, the, the jewel of our education program, the heart of our education program. Students come out for three days. Uh, they are immersed in the environment, uh, literally and figuratively. Uh, and they have an opportunity to explore the, the vibrant water, watermen's communities of Tangier Sound to learn how important it is uh, for them to take good actions uh, in their part of the watershed so that we can have, we can continue to have uh, vibrant communities that depend on healthy water quality. Uh, but those experiences are, are the experiences from which students come back truly changed. Uh, and they're changed for, for their lifetimes. And then those students go on and they become the, the elected officials, the community organizers, the, uh, the home builders, the farmers, uh, who carry a passion for the Chesapeake Bay with them for, for again, the rest of their lives. They're learning biology by harvesting their own seafood uh, and eating it and right out of the bay. Oh, yeah. They're, they're using those watermen's tools. They're sorting through. They're, they're figuring out what's living there. They're learning why it's important. They're learning what impacts uh, those living systems uh, by getting their hands dirty, by, by smelling, by tasting, by seeing, by talking to people. Uh, by, by really, like I said, immersing themselves in the environment. It's, it's a pretty incredible experience, uh, and, and I'd encourage the podcast listeners to check out our website and, and see some video and pictures of those students in action. And even applied mathematics. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you can do just about anything, and they're keeping journals, they're writing. Yeah, I've read some incredible poems that they've written while they're on the field trips, from the heart. Very true. Let me just ask you a little bit about environmental policy that relates to CBF's education work. The concept or the term no child left inside is one that uh, we've been talking about for years. We, we think of this as, as how we can turn this uh, shopping mall generation into a re, 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 return them to the generation that loves to play outside, learn outside, be exposed to the outside. And then also the concept of environmental literacy. Talk a little bit about No Child and Left, left Inside and environmental literacy. Sure, we've um, recognized that we've got dual challenges and you, you referred to both of them. One is that kids are spending more time in front of screens. Uh, some statistics say as many as 60 hours a week in front of some sort of screen. Uh, and that's at the cost of spending time outdoors. Uh, in a single generation, uh, we've gone from 
kids who spend most of their time, free time, outside in unstructured play uh, to most of their time in front of a, an electronic device. Uh, and that's unfortunate and has ramifications for all of us. Uh, the other piece is that school systems uh, have really ratcheted down uh, in terms of how they're delivering instruction. Uh, they're very assessment driven. You hear a lot about testing, preparing for tests, uh, and that's resulted in a lot of instruction, uh, environmental literacy or environmental education being cut from the curriculum. Uh, so a number of years ago, CBF spearheaded an effort nationally uh, to really call attention to this and to call attention to the fact that uh, that some of that instructional practice is really misguided in terms of what we're trying to get kids to do. When you take students outside, that's a fantastic learning experience, learning opportunity. Uh, it's, it, there's no greater teachable moment in, in my mind. Uh, kids get to, not only are they engaged uh, in the, the data gathering, in the, the experience that they're having, uh, but then you can extend that into investigating their community, investigating their local environment in a way that really encourages kids to develop the job skills that colleges and career fields are looking for right now. And so you see the whole education system looking for opportunities for kids to build communication skills, collaboration, creative thinking, critical thinking. Critical thinking, yeah, that's one that keeps hitting me, hitting me, yeah. And, and we're not doing it in schools, but when kids get involved in environmental literacy, when they get involved in real-world problem solving, that's, what, that's where the, the, the real learning happens. On environmental literacy, uh, one state has even passed a graduation requirement that all students have to meet a certain level of environmental literacy. That's true. In Maryland, uh, we have worked with our partners to help the state board see the value of making sure that every student uh, is able to participate in these kind of environmental literacy uh, programs. And so there is a high school graduation requirement now uh, where we at CBF don't just push the policies, though. We are working at the state level with our partners and at the local level with our school system partners uh, to help them do this in a, in a robust way to really support them through helping them develop curriculum, uh, through helping them train their teachers, uh, and helping them implement this with students, really get their students outside doing these investigations. It's extraordinary. The Board of Education for the state of Maryland has passed and is now implementing an environmental literacy requirement for high school graduation. And as I understand it, it's, it's not a one-size mandate for all local jurisdictions. The local jurisdictions can develop their own ways to get it done under a general framework from the state. That's true. Uh, much like many of our other educational initiatives, the school systems are given standards that they, that they need to figure out how to get to. Uh, we're proud at the Chesapeake Bay Foundation to say that 12 of the largest jurisdictions in Maryland have come to partner with us and the University of Maryland to develop that curriculum because we're seen not only as experts in the field of environmental policy, but also as experts in the field of environmental education. And in Virginia, we're starting down that path as well, but we're not quite to the same level. Yeah, we've been working with some tremendous uh, model programs uh, in Virginia. We have a, a, a real flagship program with Virginia Beach City Public Schools, uh, and we're looking to extend that to some schools in different, in rural and urban uh, environments with some new partnerships that are spinning up with Hampton City Schools and Rockham County Public Schools. That's fabulous. And um, D.C. and Pennsylvania, watch out, they'll be next. So That's right. 
I want to deal uh, touch on one one final topic, and then I want to ask you uh, to look out in the future and uh, give us a little sense of, of where you think we're going to go. Student leadership, that's a, another area in which your program has been uh, developing uh, expertise. Yeah, we're very excited about our reimagined student leadership program. It's another area where we're really uh, moving forward and investing uh, new energy. Uh, we don't just want to take our student leaders and teach them about Bay issues and Bay content. We want to give them the tools to make a difference in their communities uh, when, they, when they go back and, and, and take this information and do something with it. These student leaders actually presented to the executive committee of the Bay program and challenged them to do something about it. They showed the, the steps that they were taking, uh, and uh, then Maryland Governor Martin O'Malley, he, he, he said, you students have really laid it out. You've put the challenge at our feet, and now it's on us to do something. Uh, elected officials, adults, the public really respond to the, to the youth as the voice of, of uh, environmental restoration and protection. I've been to one of those executive council meetings every year for the last 25 years, and I was at this one. When the students were speaking, they each spoke without notes for about five or six minutes apiece. You could have heard a pin drop. And you're absolutely right. They didn't just tell what they knew. They challenged the governors. These are the people who are responsible at the highest levels, the governors of all the states and the EPA administrator. It was a remarkable moment. And the pride I had knowing that these were Chesapeake Bay Foundation students uh, was just immense. So my, my hat's off to you and your team. So the last question, uh, how do you spell success? <laughs> Look out 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. What's going to be different thanks to the work you and your team have done? Well, I think success in, in the long term is really a, a, a citizenry that understands the, the issues that we're facing and that's ready to make good choices. Um, I don't think there's anybody out there that is intentionally polluting the Chesapeake Bay, but we have broken systems in place uh, and economic incentives that are backwards. Uh, I think that when we get students, our students out there who understand what's going on and they're influencing their families and their communities, uh, then we can start putting in place those, those systems. We can start doing business in a way that, that, that's Bay-friendly, in a way that's friendly to the environment. Uh, I think success in 30 years looks like the Chesapeake Bay region being a modern society with all the trappings and 17 or 20 million people living in harmony with the environment and the rest of the world looking at it and saying, this is the way it can be done. And I think that starts at the citizen level. Uh, and I think that that you know, also includes making good choices uh, by government officials, but those government officials are responsive again to the citizens. So uh, I, think, I think that's what looks like success. Those government officials in 30 years are out on a boat with you and your staff today. It's a, it's a generational environmental ethic that we're after. That's fabulous. Well, Tom, thank you very much. This is Will Baker, president of the Chesapeake Bay Foundation. We invite you to give us your feedback. Go on our website, even email us at chesapeake at cbf.org. Thanks very much. 